Hi, I'm Leanne Spencer, founder of Body Shop Performance Limited, best-selling author, TEDx speaker, and your host. This is the Remove the Guesswork podcast, the show where I interview influential people in the health, fitness, and well-being space to bring you the latest ideas on how to optimize your mind, body, and well-being. Okay, I want to move on a bit because I want to talk about some of the strategies in your book. You've got several in there, but we pulled out a few that I think are going to really resonate with people. And the first one is strategy number one in the book. It's called blood sugar management. Just talk talk to us about this and perhaps we can interweave the story of Ansel Keys into that answer somewhere. Yes. Okay. Well, I think the book actually, the subtitle is strategic eating. So it is about what we talked about at the beginning, which is to say, look, up and grading your own energy. There's no shame in that. So you can give that helping hand to everybody else and really shine in your community or wherever you want to shine in your family is good enough. You know, wherever you want to shine, this is the start. And the big problem generally with nutrition is it's very confusing. But if you want to be a vegan or a paleo or a keto or whatever, it starts with blood sugar control. So that is your, in effect, you know, we're talking about structure and strategy. So it's uh, part of the strategy to say, right, number one, the thing you need to do is balance your blood sugar. And that's to do with how you control hormone called insulin. And that is how much sugar you have at any one time in the blood. We have about a teaspoon of sugar in the blood at any one time. And there are lots of different hormones besides insulin, actually, but they're working in synergy to actually achieve homeostasis, which means a basically a balance. So it's trying to get back to that teaspoon of sugar in your blood. So let's say you had a leucoside, which has about nine teaspoons of sugar. You might not realize it, but your body is massively panicking, thinking, blimey, O'Reilly, because if you were a cave person, you wouldn't ever get your hands on that much sugar. Mm. So all these hormones are pumping in and trying to balance that equation out. So you get dips of blood sugar in effect as the hormone insulin pumps into the system and drops the blood sugar fast and you're at the in effect at the bottom of the roller coaster curve and thinking god i'm absolutely starving and i'm feeling really sleepy and you know actually over time you may gain weight around the middle and all sorts of other things and actually we were talking about inflammation earlier so it's the key of everything in degenerative health is this control of inflammation and this control of this hormone insulin so it really all starts with that but as I say you know you can do that in almost any system that you choose but you still need to balance the blood sugar so if you're a vegan for example you still need to balance the blood sugar so if you're you won't be but if you're a pie eating vegan you know in other words you can still you know, be a vegan and eat pastry and puffs and cakes and whatever, then obviously, because that has quite a lot of sugar and it's converted to sugar, your blood sugar would be massively fluctuating. So it's about avoiding, I mean, in, in short, obviously, it's a lot more complicated chemically, but in short, what you're trying to do is avoid sweet, fluffy and white food. So sweet is anything you put in your mouth, tastes sweet. Sweet, fluffy is the density of something. So if you're thinking about popcorn, that would be kind of light and fluffy. And white is stuff devoid of nutrients. Something like white bread would mm. would kind of be that. And you're aiming for thick fibrous and protein and fat stuff. So thickness is the density. So if you think of a piece of rye bread as opposed to a piece of wheat bread, for example, fibrous things, real things, you know, that come from the ground or that broccoli etc protein obviously including the vegetarian protein here mm. so chicken fish nuts and seeds but also chickpeas and lentils will bung in this category and fat the so-called good fats 
now, <laughs> things like butter and lard and avocados and, Oils. you know, olive oil. Yeah. Yes. Although, you know, there's quite a bit of controversy about olive oil, by the way, but um, there you go. Well, we just had a big, big hoo-ha about coconut oil as well, didn't we? But that was actually probably put out by somebody who had an, it was the American Heart Association put that out. Yes. That coconut oil was dodgy, but actually... You know, it's just interesting. Look at these different parties who put out the information. The American Heart Association has put out since 1927 that we should be avoiding saturated fat. And it was one particular woman who then attacked the saturated fat in coconut oil without looking at the new science behind it. Given that actually the American Heart Association was actually funded by, I think they were funded by Crisco, Co, which is, I think it was made by Pears. Somebody will correct me on this, but it basically they were a soap manufacturer. And Crisco was a kind of lard substitute, which was launched in 1911. But the American Heart Association, all their money came, original money came from that funding of that. So again, sometimes when you hear these studies come out, it can be really confusing because you suddenly think, well, hang on a minute, I thought coconut oil was good, you know? That's a bit confusing. Why are they saying it's not? And you have to use your common sense about thinking, gosh, I wonder if that's true or not. I mean, actually, interesting, for coconut oil, it is a saturated fat, but it's a a vegetarian form of saturated fat. And I think to change your whole diet over to a coconut fat diet, given that in in Western, like Northern, like we are, we're speaking from the UK, it's kind of just almost doesn't feel right to me to eat so much coconut fat because we mm. just haven't had it in our diet mm. i don't know there's no sign i mean i've no idea if that's true or not it's not founded in any science at all but it's kind of like it's a bit like the soya thing i mean obviously years ago 20 years ago as a nutritionist we were all saying oh it's great it's right and nutrient and i just never trusted it i just thought mm, it just doesn't sound right to me <laughs> Yeah. Didn't have any basis of fact on that at all. It's a manufactured product again, isn't it? Or it can be. Exactly. So I just think, like with everything, it's just in its place, it's great. And I think what we tend to do is go completely potty and go the other way. But anyway, we digress. I think to your point about people being confused, you and I, I'm sure, and some of the people listening will listen to lots of different podcasts, read lots of different things. I'm always walking around with headphones on, consuming content around health, fitness, nutrition, well-being, and so on. And it's easy to get really confused because there are studies that back up uh, black is black and there's a study you can find that says black is white. There are people with conflicting opinions all the time, quite well-known people. So I think it's confusing. I find it confusing. I'm sure listeners do. So I've just sort of narrowed down. I will take in because of what I do, a whole range of opinions. But when it comes to my personal health, I go on a number of things on instinct, on what the tests tell me, on what I intuitively feel works for me, and a few trusted sources. So I'm not getting too many inputs. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's totally the way to go. But also with the science, it's, as you know, is that sometimes it can be research bias, meaning, you know, studies get published because they've got the correct answer or the answer that the editor wanted to hear. Yeah. Or it can be that the funding gets shut down for a particular like, for example, about fat, I mean, as we're back on that topic, that the sort of dogma was that fat, saturated fat clogged the pipes. So when anybody said, listen, I think we've got another idea, maybe it doesn't. So the funding was it just wasn't there to do the research on it because people ruffle the feathers of some important people. And sometimes it can be the personality of 
the person involved. I mean, Ansel Keys, we were talking about earlier. For those of you who were interested, kind of like grabbed the, the name and like, what who is this Ansel Keys? He was basically a biologist from the 1950s, cruising high at the top of his career. He was on the front cover of Time magazine. He was kind of like the big wig. He'd been involved in the war to develop the K-ration, which was the American ration for the troops in the war. He was you know, in big government, and but he was fascinated because there was heart disease had gone from sort of naught to being a very serious problem in the 1950s, not least because I think Eisenhower had a heart attack. And everybody was worried about this particular topic. And he had a theory, literally a hypothesis that said it was saturated fat that was causing the issue, really because of various studies that had been done on rabbits. So feeding them food that basically foods that rabbits don't live on. So the rabbits were like feeding them meat when they're actually herbivores. And of course, it was probably not doing them much good. So they did the studies on all these kind of weird animals that showed that cholesterol was risen in these particular animals. By the way, when they did the studies on dogs, which eat meat, they didn't show this result. But anyway, then Antarctica's put two and two together and said, well, you know, actually, if it's these types of diets are raising cholesterol, cholesterol is at the bottom of, of heart disease and therefore, you know, heart attacks. And actually, it was never proven that. It was literally a hypothesis. The end of the story is that there was a study he did called the Seven Country Study, ultimately, which showed a nice graph like a kid's growth chart showing this up spike in, in countries that had saturated fat as the basis of their diet, like the UK and places, showed a complete sort of like uptick. You know, you're going to get a heart attack if you eat this stuff. And if you don't eat this, um, like places that have a more vegetarian diet or a more polyunsaturated diet, so vegetables and all that kind of stuff, you show it absolutely almost eliminates it. So everybody's like, yay, that's fantastic. But, you know, fast forward to just quite recently, I think it's probably five years ago, they found the rest of the data, the raw data, and the raw data showed that he'd taken out all the other countries that didn't fit the pattern. So he'd taken out France and taken out Holland. Holland has a high cheese diet and France has a high cheese diet. And he'd taken out all the countries that actually bucked the trend Unbelievable. of the research. Yeah. And we're living with that even today. Fat is still considered the enemy. You know, it's crazy. Well, absolutely. And very recently, we changed actually our dietary guidelines to save dietary, by the way, dietary cholesterol, like eggs do not increase actually body cholesterol or mm, inside yep. the body. And we, I think we took that out a few years ago. America just took it out last year. And yeah, absolutely. But we had ads, like, you know, really recently on the UK TV of the old drain being mm. blocked. I don't know if you remember that. It's like, yeah. that's not mm. how it works unless you're a drain. <laughs> you know, we have livers and all sorts of other things. We're, we're biological yeah. organisms. We're not machines. And yeah. so it doesn't work yeah. the same as pouring fat down a tube and then it bunging up the pipes. It's just totally treating everybody like idiots. But everybody yeah. was like, okay, well, he said that. And then we've got all this research that shows that. And actually, when you look into it, there's very little evidence for it i actually recorded a 30 minute solo show about a year ago i will link to it in the show notes if anyone wants to know more about ansel keys and his work and you know you've given a brilliant summary there but there's that 
30-minute show I recorded, if anyone wants to hear a bit more about that and how we got to this position of, of hating fat, of avoiding fat and fearing it. So let's move on to inflammation, which is your strategy number two. Well, yeah, oh, I was going to say, you did do some really good studies, actually, amongst that. So funnily enough, you know, eventually he came to the conclusion that cholesterol didn't cause heart disease. But anyway, you know, the runaway thing. The horse that bolted. Yeah, was obviously the seven country study. Anyway, yeah. But that's how we're stuck with little stuff that gets us confused, which is where we started, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. Okay, yep, strategy number two. Inflammation, which as we, or people may know, is the cause of a lot of, of serious disease in the body. And we've got links now to depression, links to almost every disease, even Alzheimer's, even cancer, and you should say in the book, even things like arthritis. So just describe what inflammation mm. is. What is that, that sort of bodily situation? What's that condition? Well, it's basically inflammation in its place is a really good thing, as we said earlier, really, when you were, not you personally, obviously, Leanne, but if you were a monkey swinging down for the trees in the old days and coming down and cutting your feet or something, you know, injury or being in a fur fight or a war, you know, where are you going to get cut? You need inflammation. It, you know, it's how your immune system operates to, to rush to the site of an injury. And the inflammation is there to serve the purpose. So it heals. But rampant inflammation or chronic inflammation is a low level, low grade um, fire within your body that's causing, you know, things like joint pain or it causes cellular disruption. So it stops your your individual building blocks of your body from communicating properly. And the sort of mechanism of the organism starts to go wrong. And yeah, so at the root of it, really, hormone insulin as well. So really important mentioned in the last bit. Um, to control how inflammation goes. And there are nutrients that control that too. I mean, famously, turmeric has become this great sort of wonder mm-hmm. wonder product. But again, you know, if you're well and healthy, keeping well and healthy by having a good diet, doing your exercise and all those things, yeah. if you're not healthy, like you've already got arthritis, then you need to throw some of these nutritional books at, yeah. you know, what you've got to turn back where you're at, if you see yeah. what I mean. And of course, as you say, inflammation is not a bad thing in and of itself. I mean, what we do when we exercise, particularly a hard workout, is we will then cause inflammation as the body repairs, Yeah, which is the symptoms of DOMS, onset muscle soreness. So it's not a bad thing. I guess there's a difference between causing it through exercise, providing you're then giving yourself adequate recovery. And when you're causing it by consuming foods that don't agree with you, whether it's gluten because you have a genuine intolerance or whether it's lactose in my case, if I consume lactose, there's there's swelling, there's inflammation. My body is then diverting all its energy, getting rid of that. Yeah. And there is obviously a lot of intolerance and allergy around nowadays. I'm kind of from, you know, when I when I was a girl, mm. things were really different. Nobody had intolerances or allergies. Nobody, not not anybody, yeah. had a peanut allergy at all uh, that I remember. And things change, and that is obviously an environmental change, mm. and it is a change to the way we produce food and the way we produce the like gluten is more glutinous and than the process. That, you know, we pr- produce bread in a really rushed way, inevitably, and also. The crop, I think I talk about it in the book, the um, wheat is sprayed with glyphosate, which is a chemical which dries really matured, not least 
for the chemical is not good for our friendly bacteria, it kills them off. So it then messes up our microbiome, my, my, you know, the little guys in our guts who do, you know, have a function. They outnumber our cells 10 to 1. And these guys kind of produce vitamins and break down stuff. And, you know, they communicate with our brain through photons of light. I mean, they're pretty clever. And so they're absolutely key to our health. But we've managed to, through our farming methods and other stuff, environmental, probably diesel and whatever else we've done to the planet, we're managing to kill our own self off by killing those guys off, uh, which is key to health. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, allergy is complicated. So it's like, yes, avoid gluten if it bothers you but what we would do as nutritional therapists is say well that's interesting you really need to get back to the gut and repair the gut it's the key to turning back at least some of the intolerance I mean some people by the way genetically are more prone to being lactose intolerant for example yeah I'm lactose intolerant and I found that out through genetic testing. So I think that's a really good indicator of what foods might cause inflammation or what you should try and avoid or cut from your diet. I want to just ask you, because we're running short on time now, but I wanted to ask you about time-restricted eating, because you talk about that in the book. But how effective is that for the general population? When would you recommend people do that? Under what circumstances? Would it be weight loss, digestion? You mean the fight, sort of like the intermittent fasting kind of idea? Yes, But in the context of just having a later breakfast and an earlier supper, so you restrict your eating window to a shorter period of time to increase your fasting window. Yeah. Who would that be appropriate for? You know, again, it's a summit sort of strategy rather than a kind of beginner strategy. And again, I think for some of the people who want to lose weight, then they go straight onto the 5-2 or whatever. And I don't really recommend that. I think you you know, eat as a family, all these other things come massively first. And then you sort of, me, just, and what makes me feel good, you know, and obviously it can be a weight loss. For me, it's kind of like, you know, like if you've had a great big meal, you don't need to, like often on Sunday, I'll sort of do a little fast. So I think you can play around with what suits you. Sometimes for women, it doesn't work quite so well as it does for men, apparently. I've not found that. But on some of these strategies, you have to be a little careful that you don't, you're not so militant. Like, for example, Mm. extremely low carbohydrate diet that doesn't crash other systems like crash your thyroid out. Yeah. Don't worry too much about that. It's just like it does mean be kind to yourself and be sensitive to how you feel. And if it doesn't suit you, don't crack on with something that isn't serving you. Mm. But you can lengthen through doing intermittent fasting. So slightly pushing out uh, breakfast and pulling in dinner, you can lengthen the full stop on your genetics. So you have things called telomeres. And it's like the end of a typewriter. You probably don't remember typewriters, but it's sort of like I imagine it like a typewriter. It kind of you get to the end of the I don't know the the, the spool if you like, and then you get a, a new line. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like new line. Yeah. And so it's the kind of death of these the genetics, and and you can extend it by fasting and other modalities. Yeah. But again, it's really about what feels good for you, and and also putting it within the context of normal family eating. So it's kind mm. of something I might do on a Saturday, do a fast where everybody's running around doing different things. But I would never put that first before my family and sharing a meal with them ever. I mean, I'd never do that. 
Yeah. And you've got to fit in with the rhythms of your household and of course the demands on your life. And I think to sum it all up in, in a respect, it's really about making it personal, isn't it? It's, you know, you don't need to spend money on testing. You could do an elimination diet and see what works for you, see what doesn't, if you've got time over money. But either way, just I'd also suggest people tune into their bodies. You know, when you consume something, how does it make you feel? Do you feel energized consistently? Do you have a big crash afterwards? You know, does it feel like your body's enjoying this or does it feel like it's fighting it? So I think that's really important. And forgetting about the diets that have worked for you or friends or family, it's really finding something that's yeah you can sustain that is healthy that is balanced we didn't get to talk much about the connection between food and the land but it is in the book which i really urge people to go out and read finding things if your ancestors if our cavemen and women were to come into the room and say what's for dinner would they look down and recognize it that's a one good rule of thumb if they wouldn't it's not real food in the context that we're talking about yeah i think also just less on the detail I know we focused a little bit on it there but I mean and again the detail is fun you know and it's good yeah really basically focus on the blood sugar story focus on balancing the blood sugar focus on that get good at that understand how that works it's the key to tapping into endless energy and avoiding inflammation understand how that works then it's playtime and you can add in the detail Mm. from there. But I think the book, again, goes into the kind of basics of the blood sugar and how to do that. And it's very, you know, even though it's very simple to follow, we've made it, or I've probably made it sound a little complicated than it is, but it's really manage the blood sugar, you know, almost full stop Mm. and then add in the fancy footwork from there. Yeah, I agree. It's a really good book. So it's Positive Nutrition, Strategic Eating to Upgrade Your Health and Energy. And like a few of the lid books, which I've read now, it's broken down into easy to read chunks. It's the sort of thing you could read on a commute really easily. I actually read a lot of these books in sauna. So I can go out and do a 20 minute sauna session and read at least two or three chapters. So very easy to consume, no pun intended. Kate, thank you for your time. Your links are, you are Kate Cook Biz. Your website is www.katecook.biz and there's also The Nutrition Coach and the website for that is www.thenutritioncoach.co.uk. Is there anything I've missed there in terms of how you like people to get hold of you? No, I mean, I'm the most complicated person to get hold of, you know, (laughs) because I've got so many different websites. But basically, if you want to get hold of me, katecook.biz, I'll be delighted to hear from anybody. So um, please do get in touch. Yeah, and the book is on Amazon and I presume anywhere you can buy books, you'll be able to find a copy. Thank you so much, Leanne. I really appreciate it. No, absolute pleasure. Thanks very much. Interested in finding out what your health IQ is? Jump on our website, bodyshopperformance.com and click on Take the Test. And it'll take you through to a very short two to three minute health IQ test. At the end of that, you'll get a scorecard based on your results and a free 39 page report built all around our six signals, which are sleep, mental health, energy, body composition, digestion, and fitness. So jump on the website, bodyshopperformance.com and take our test. Finally, thanks for listening to this show. And if you've enjoyed what you've heard and it's added value to you, share the episode with someone you think could benefit from it. And don't forget to leave a rating, a review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts. Thanks for listening.